that's a pretty neat piece of technology. You're listening to the Get Out and Drive podcast with John Custom Car Nerd Meyer and Jason Old Car Guy Car. We'll be bringing you gearheads everything you never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage. Are you ready to get out and drive? Folks, welcome back to another great episode of the Get Out and Drive podcast. My name is Jason, old car guy. Car? And I am John, custom car nerd, Meyer. John, I'm pretty excited this week to have some very special guests, uh, kind of, they stole the SEMA show, I believe, <laughs> this year uh, with one of their bills. We've got Jim and Mike Ring here from the Ring Brothers. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So one of the things that we love to do to kind of uh, shake things off a little bit, to have a little bit of fun and uh, kind of get the podcast rolling is we've got a little program called Done in 60 Seconds. Um, Jim has volunteered to be our questionnaire, I guess the guy who's going to answer all these questions. So we've got 10 questions, 60 seconds, and uh, we hope that we're going to have a little bit of fun, shake things up. Jim, are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. First question. What is your favorite movie? Um, Jaws. Uh, what car did you take your driver's test in? Uh, 77 Malibu Classic. Was that your first car? That was my mom's first car. Uh, what, is, what is your current car today? I have a 2020 Chevy pickup. Uh, what's the worst car you've ever owned? Uh, the one I sold to my brothers. <laughs> Facebook Marketplace, Racing Junk, or eBay? I'm always on Facebook Marketplace. Uh, what's your favorite music genre? Bob Seger. <laughs> Who's your favorite actor? I don't think I have one. Mike, most of the time. <laughs> LS, Coyote, or Hemi? Uh, definitely have to be an LS for me. And the last question, number 10, back to the future. One, two, or three? Uh, definitely one. Absolutely. That was great. Thank you for playing along with Done in 60 Seconds. Now it's time to get into the podcast and start asking some really hard questions. All right, let's do it. <laughs> I know you guys had fun. You had to because this thing's so wacky. Uh, that that Enyo build, uh, the forty-eight Chevy truck. It obviously started out. I saw the pictures of it uh, as a grain truck. The cab, which was just about what's left, because I know that's the same general size and everything as a uh, as a standard half-ton truck. Doesn't matter if you put on a one-ton chassis. Same size. Um, that thing is is just is is wacky kind of explain the thought process behind that if you guys came up with that or if a customer came to you and said hey would you build this because uh it is super out of your norm the owner actually came to us with these crazy boat motors that were like 2500 horse twin supercharged motors that he had in a boat at lake of the ozarks and he wanted to build what he called a rat rod out of out of one of these motors. So we brought this motor up and Gary Regal actually did some line drawings on something that looked like fun. And uh, it was really close to what that truck was, except for the, the motor was never going to work in it. I think uh, the motor was like 45 inches 48, tall yep, or 48 inches tall from the oil pan to the yeah. 
it was a dry sump to the top of the motor and the truck has went 52 tall. So it, it definitely wasn't going to work. Right. And, you know, basically telling him that if he can't cool this thing in a lake, he sure ain't going to cool it with a radiator. <laughs> and he kind of got all frustrated and said, you know what, we're not doing it. And he kind of threw it in the garbage. Supposedly the guy was coming back from the Barrett Jackson auction uh, on the airplane, looked at a good friend of his and said, you know what, maybe we ought to revisit that truck and, and build that truck. He said, I, I really want a rat rod. And uh, he said, I think we should build it. So they came back. He dropped this Goodwin motor off uh, and said, let's do it with this. So that's really how it got started. Wow. So you referred to that thing as a rat rod. And John and I, before, before you guys came on, we were trying to, to decipher, what, what do I call this? What, do I, what genre of build is it? So you classified it as a rat rod, or is there something else that we want to call it? No, I, I think it, it's uh, an interpretation of a, I don't know what you call it. You know, it's funny because people always ask us, what do you call that there? How do you explain it? And I says, you know. I don't know. It's just fun. Makes it, it the rendering made us smile and go back to a rendering. Most of the time, renderings look a lot cooler than you can build mm -hmm. because of wheels and tires. Like when they do a rendering, you could never turn the car, right? They got the tires pushed all the way out. And so to do an open wheel like this, this is probably the only time the rendering didn't look as good as the real thing because you could build how it looks because of having an open wheel. And I, I don't know what you call it. It was just fun. It was just to, to let somebody have us build something that we just thought, man, would that be cool? Well, I yeah. think I read somewhere the, sort of interrupt there, uh, Jim, but I, I think I read somewhere where it was classified as anti street rod i think somebody must have used that term somewhere along the way i've never heard that term um and i do want to clarify he does call it as a rat rod uh that's that's what it, that's that's what he wanted he wanted something to to uh uh wake up the neighbors per se and uh um he just he, his friend has one more of a rat rod than this one but mm -hmm. uh he just always wanted something like that. And, and this is what he got. <laughs> wow. And, and does it have uh, just a style of an open wheel look as an F1 car or does it actually have F1 parts on it or how is the suspension made up? Suspension was all designed uh, obviously with the help of the roadster shop did the chassis on it, but the actual suspension was designed uh by a, a gentleman that actually is his name Scott Allman, but he actually designed the 2005 2006 Ford GT chassis oh, for Ford. Okay. And uh, he's 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 a very anal guy when it comes to geometry and everything working properly. Uh, he actually got Olin involved with the shocks, which are obviously not cheap. The spindles we began with, uh, we bought some used Porsche pin drive stuff. Uh, just to actually use it as mock-up and then ended up buying new stuff. But we machined all of the uprights, the spindles, uh, all of that stuff was stuff we did in-house. And uh, it, 
it's actually pretty cool to see. I, I don't know if you guys seen it in person or not, but I, I did. I pictures. Did. I don't think pictures do the thing justice. It's it's uh, there's just so much going on. And it's hard to wrap your head around what it actually is. So, yeah, the suspension was fun because it's like cantilevered. You know, everything, we, we wanted to expose everything. We were going to twin turbo it, but it was just no room to keep it kind of clean the way it is when you open the hood and, and get everything um, plumbed because there's a lot of plumbing, you know, running the radiator in the rear and yet keep it relatively clean. And we tried to to do it with the turbos up by the lights and it just got too goofy looking and, and the motor makes a thousand horsepower anyway on race gas. So it's not like we needed more power, but uh, the chassis was fun. You know, like you said, we scanned Porsche stuff and then, use true pin drive so it's a true pin drive you know not an adaptive hub it's true pin drive wheels there's there's nothing fake about this thing it's it's mean to the bone i mean it was built to really run and and run hard so we've yet to do that i mean the Mm -hmm. snow just caught us but jim drove it a little bit and with the street version tires and uh he's a little nervous with it it's it's a handful. It's like being in a go kart with too much power. You know, I we did go karts at Bob Bondurant with 125 cc uh, motorcycle motors on it, and this is like having one with a, a 750 cc motorcycle motor in it. It's just it's just a little go kart, and it's a, a rocket. But when and I it first is, saw it, 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 it is rear wheel drive. I'm sorry, Jason. Yes. It is rear wheel drive. It runs a C6 torque tube out of a Corvette back to a, a 4L80 transmission into the transaxle. So the weight balance on the truck is is just spot on. I mean, all the weight's right where you want it. It's It just feels good. And that was going to be my question was about the weight. Now, this thing doesn't look like it weighs a lot. And <laughs> when you say this thing's got over a thousand horsepower, like power to weight, I can't imagine getting this thing on the open road uh, and seeing just exactly it's, what it will do. So, like, what is the weight of this truck? It is heavier than you think um, because of the chassis being all steel. We were going to do it in aluminum and it just came out. And, you know, the carbon that we used was not to just be race carbon. It's really dense, autoclave, thick. It's meant to to abuse. So the car, it weighs 3,500. So it's heavier than you think. But uh, steel cab, steel chassis, you know, but it's 54 rear, uh, 46 front. And that's where he he dreamed it would be because of the tire. Like people always think 50 50, but a lot of it, from what we're told, is the tire size and the diameter. So it's like 56. It's like 56. Believe it or not, the, the rear tire patch is 56 compared to the front tire patch of 45 if you compare the two tires so it's right where he he wanted it to be um so and it's got a big fuel tank and that's wet and it's uh i think there's a 20 gallon plus tank in it so um we we never really looked at it as being race it just landed there that it's it's pretty stout the package of that truck just to package what we did to that truck. I mean, the thing's got air conditioning in it. Um, it's uh, all the electronics are in the driver's floorboard. There's a twin uh, floor pan in that truck. So there's a, a 
with a, call it the driver's floor mat is a removable aluminum panel that comes out. The computer, all the electronics, everything's under there. Um, the packaging that thing was, was a feat in itself. There's no room in them trucks anywhere. And if you pay attention to it with the hood open, I, I don't think you can find the wire if you wanted to. So there's there's a lot going on there that that nobody sees. That was a, a big challenge to to do that. Yeah, you talk about packaging. Even the, I don't know if you noticed. Uh, we got down to like, how are we going to latch this hood? We have no room for a latch, so we end up using electromagnets um, in the corners. If you you notice that actually when you when you turn the key to on, it sucks the hood in place. So as soon as you let, as soon as the power leaves the hood, you could open it. So it was a packaging, you know, that's probably one of the biggest things is packaging this. And the guy's six foot tall. So He's it's a, a good guy. thing we lengthened the cab two inches because there's just no room. The uh, the electromagnet and and I know it has to be super strong. You guys have driven the truck with that with that yes. hood and the electromagnet. Yeah. You and I, you and I, and uh, Jason couldn't pull that hood open with them two magnets pulling it down, one on each side. It's, wow, it's impossible. The key with that is you got to have a big chunk of steel on the other end. It isn't the magnet as much as it is what it's pulling on. What it's yeah, what it's pulling on. So. Wow, we learned we learned through that too. Yeah, that's a pretty neat piece of technology. Um, I've been into hot rods for all my life, as long as I can remember. You know, right from the time I was playing with Hot Wheels in the dirt till now, I have never in my life heard of using electromagnet to hold a latch or to hold a hood or anything like that. Like that's was that just something you thought? Well, this is what we've got to do, or was it a result of not having the room? Have you used it I, before? I think we've never used it. Never heard of anybody using it. And uh, it was something that I don't think you'd ever want to. I mean, I wouldn't want to take this chance of doing it on a forward facing hood. But since how this was a, a rear facing hood with no place to go, always having downforce on it, mm -hmm. we thought, you know, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> it actually worked out. I mean, if you're if you hit the wall and you're spinning backwards and the battery flies out of the thing, it's probably going to come open when you're going backwards down the track. <laughs> That's probably the least of your worries though, yeah. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, of all, and I'm, and I've certainly been following you for a really super long time. Um, and of all the vehicles that you've built, is this the one you've had the most freedom on? It seems to me from an outside perspective that it may be, is that true? You think it's true? Freedom in in the design, but um, we definitely didn't wander from the original rendering. But yes, to be able to build something in the freedom of of this, yeah, it was it was the most fun. I mean, we're I don't know how you can't look at the rendering and be excited. Like, there's no way somebody's gonna let you build that, and then to be able to build it. It's pretty fun, right? Most people have to see somebody else do something first before they'll let you build it, right? Mm -hmm. It's got to be something they've seen and can understand. And even with color, right? People are funny about that. Oh, they come to you with a color because they saw a car and they love that color and they think everything will look good in that color. They think that's the whole design is color. So, yeah, in in that respect, it was, but we didn't deviate from from the design once we started it. 
Well, there's got to be a whole lot of faith in the, the buyer, the owner, uh, the guy who's, who's basically paying the bill to look back and see all of the previous builds that you've done. And one of the consistencies that I see in a lot of the Ring Brothers builds is you can sit there and you can look at every corner of those builds and see the subtle touches here and there. Uh, and I made a note to, I wanted to make sure that I actually said this right, that the subtle touches that make a not so subtle statement. And I believe that's kind of where the Ring Brothers kind of their forte is. Let's make it different, but not so different. People don't know what they're looking at. And then you come and you bring this 48 Chevy into the, into the spotlight and say, this is kind of different than anything that we've done. How do we get the trust out of the owner to, for us to, to fulfill his dream? How much conversation did you have with the owner uh, to, to the point where, yes, we're confident and making this dream come true. And the faith that he had to have in you, obviously, to, to do something a little bit outside of what you normally do. I think he had a guy, you know, he had a, he had a gentleman that kind of handled th this build for him. His name was Stan Nielsen. Uh, great guy, hot rodder, old school hot rodder guy, uh, kind of overlooked the whole thing. The owner literally come up, I think twice maybe uh, to, to look at what was going on. Um, but he didn't get involved hardly at all. I mean, he just, just at the end, you know, I was pretty adamant about they did want to go a different way with the interior originally. And I just more of a Recaro comfortable seat and, and, you know, Mike saw where to finish it with the carbon seat and, and not, I it think was, it was it, the right call when you really get to look at it. I mean, if you were to look at that truck, the whole thing, all of what's going on and then look inside and see a couple of Ricardo seats that were recovered. I just don't think it'd be as cool as, as building all the carbon seats and all of the inserts, you know, the, even the foam in them seats were all machine pieces of foam, which quite honestly, I didn't even know you could do uh, how you hold on to foam. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. The, the only thing that owner wanted in that vehicle was a, was a cell phone charger and he still doesn't have that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> He'll get it. Well, you you certainly captured the even with the seats and the in how do you chose that and how do you explain that? Um you've chosen a very industrial look for the truck. And and I think that's what you were going after. And I see you both shaking your heads yes. And yep. and I think you've nailed it. Uh did it get a warm reception at SEMA or are there people on the fence that are 50, 50, this is not cool. And other people saying, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I, I think, I think it's all the way around. I mean, I, it's definitely something that not everybody's going to like, I mean, it, right. or, or understand it's, it's not like having a super cool 69 Camaro there that guys love Camaros and they're going to think it's cool. This is, this is like out of the ordinary, uh, crazy fun stuff that we did and you either like it or you don't, you ain't, you know, you're not going to change people's mind on that. Although uh, I, I never heard at SEMA a bad word online. You'll see haters cause you have them every day. You know, <laughs> it's a PT cruiser. It's this, it's that. Yeah. But anybody that's actually seen it and mm -hmm. really looked at it because pictures, as you know, don't do it justice. Right. They're just blown away at, how much detail and 
thought was in something like this. So uh, I'm okay with people that haven't seen it, but honestly, the people that were there were, were all like, Oh my God, you know, what do you guys take? What are you on? You know, it was that. <laughs> I, I, I could admit I was on the fence. I, um, especially when Khan talked to us about which sure. vehicle we were going to look at, if we were going to look at captive or bully or whatever we were going to look sure. at. Um, I was on the fence. I said, well, I, this truck looks kind of cool. And I saw the pictures and I thought, eh, that's kind of neat. But when I, that, you're right. When I saw it in person, it did draw me in and there's a lot more details. And I probably spent uh, half an hour or 45 minutes walking around and, and looking at it. So my big butts probably in everyone's pictures. <laughs> I, I'm the guy that took too long to look at the truck and get, get, get out of the way. Yeah. But it, it is super badass and it is uh, oddball and every uh every fantastic adjective i could possibly throw at it so well that's, that's cool. awesome yeah Thanks. yeah it's nice when you go into it being ah and then you really do see the work that went into it and the thought process and especially if you're a guy that knows what they're looking at you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's what you really want to impress is people that know what they're looking at because you can't put it into words what it what it is. It's just you have to see it. So we we've talked a lot about this this truck and this build, and I guess kind of what's weighing on my mind is when you decided that you wanted to build this truck. At what point um, do you decide that I'm going to enter this into a battle of the builds at SEMA, along with, I mean. Not that you're not capable, you certainly are. But at what point in this build did you say, you know, was it right from the beginning, we're going to put this in the battle of the build, we're going to have it ready for SEMA? Or was it at some point you're like, you know, we could have this done in time. Our quality is there. We're going to do it. Like, When did that take place? When did that conversation happen that says, we're going to SEMA and we're going to win? Well, I don't know. You can never go to SEMA and and win uh, and say that to yourself. That's just impossible. Uh, But We've had, you know, we've had, we haven't been to SEMA since 2019. We did have some time. Uh, we always tend to enroll anything we take to SEMA in the Battle of the Builders, just not, excuse me, not even necessarily for us. We do it for the owners to get them excited. Uh, although two of the owners for two of the cars we had there, the Camaro and the Mustang, we had never met before SEMA, ever. We talked to him on the phone, but never met him. I had no idea what this guy looked like, either one of them. So uh, that was that was nerve wracking. And the fact that he had four vehicles there from Wisconsin was nerve wracking. Uh, but uh, no, I don't think you ever. At least I certainly never go to see him thinking you're going to win because that's that's just not right. I mean, you don't know how many people have stuff like this they're going to drag there, right? I mean, you may mm-hmm. think you got something cool and you go there and go, man, I don't know what this guy's yeah. on, but it's really cool. Yeah, so, we've we definitely been there, done that. Yeah, so <laughs> we're just lucky that people took it in. I think the, the benefit, we've said it before for us, is that we don't build cars for typical <laughs> car shows. We build them to take the SEMA and get a big bang out of that. And I think for people that have better cars or whatever that have showed them earlier, it takes a little bit away from from them. I mean, yeah, it takes a little gas out of the tank. I think once they've been seen, it's just just something about it. No matter no matter how nice they are, like 
I don't think if we took this truck anywhere else in the United States, we could probably win another trophy uh, with it just because it's been seen. But mm-hmm. um, that kind of goes on my question of, of what's next for that truck. Is it going to uh, go to good guys? Is it going to make that circuit? What's what's plans if, for it? If we want to, I mean, the owner's super cool and he's willing to let us take it anywhere, but uh it depends on our schedule where we're at. You know, again, it's not about winning trophies or, you know, it's not like they write you a check for 50 grand. Yeah. <laughs> and the way it is to haul things today, it, we're, we don't know, honestly. We were going to do a Jay Leno episode with it, but now with Jay and the situation. Oh, yeah. We don't know if that'll ever, because we were going right to California with it, but I ended up getting COVID and yeah. So we came home and, uh, but no, we don't, we don't really have a plan with it. The owner says we can take it anywhere we want, but it would be our dime. So Mm -hmm. that gets expensive. So we'll see. Oh yeah. I don't know how many stories and how many pictures were taken of that vehicle. It's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Why we'd take it anywhere else to get more pictures of it is beyond me. But But, I mean, we've had interest from a couple people wanting to, you know, make die casts. So that's cool. We've never had that before. So that would be cool. That's a big one for us, you know. Yeah, that was the first thing as as a Hot Wheels collector. I, 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 I that's the first thing I thought of was uh, Mattel has to be chasing you guys. Yes. And, uh, and and I know you probably can't talk about that stuff yet. Right. Uh, but but uh, we have had a couple of interest by a few people. So it's amazing how quick that gets out there. And mm-hmm. we're excited about that. Plus uh, video games. Um, uh, nice. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Hey, John, remember when we were kids, they had that little device that you pulled a cord on, it landed on a fire mantle and made like a moo or a cluck? Oh, the CNC. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if they had something like that for cars? Dude, I think they do. It's, no got, way. Got, no, no, seriously, I got one right here. That sounds like a Viper. It is a Viper. You want to know what a Mustang sounds like? And no screams. No, no screams. You can't hear the crowd at all. Where would you get a book like that? This is this book that we have is called What Cars Say, written by Rachel Alfonso, uh, presented by Exotic Car Hacks. You can go to our website, getoutanddrive.com, and pick up a copy of your own. Head right over there right now. I think that's a fantastic idea. This is a great gift for kids or even adult children like myself. <laughs> this is fantastic. Teaches kids about cars. Um, has uh, uh, a really good story and it tells about all the cars and again my favorite thing this one here Ooh, definitely Rolls Royce it is a Rolls Royce because you step on the throttle pedal and it costs you money every time this is fantastic I think it's time to update my Christmas list definitely go to getoutanddrive.com get your copy of what cars say can't deny. Well, it's, it's funny how things kind of come out of the woodwork. You know, you guys are car builders, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, 
you're you're in the spotlight. You know, Battle of the Builders at SEMA, and I, I'm thinking that there's probably not much of a level above that that you can aspire to reach. Um, and we spent a lot of time talking about this truck. It's it's definitely worthy talking about that 48 Chevy because it is it's there. It's at the pinnacle. It's at the top. You guys, you know, one battle of the builders with that. But I, I do want to talk for a brief second about the other entries. You had uh, a 69 Camaro. You had a 72 K5 and the 69 Mustang that I actually had a good opportunity to look at over at the Center Force uh, booth mm-hmm. uh, at SEMA. Uh, let's briefly talk a little bit uh, about each of those. Let's start with the Camaro. Um, so this is another, you know, immaculate build that again you can sit there and you can walk around it for, like john you know for 45 minutes and get in everybody's way of their pictures and still pick something subtle out every time you look at something different where did the inspiration come from the 69 camaro that car is there believe it or not the only thing that you could put from a stock 69 camaro and that is the side glass other than that it's five inches wider in the rear three inches wider in the front we pulled the wheelbase ahead an inch and a half. The car length is the same, but we moved the wheelbase ahead. The roof sunk. It's all carbon. It's just, it's it's an animal. And there that car is no slouch. I mean, that's a that is a nice, nice car. We had a pull. I was driving it and tuning that Camaro, and I had the tuner in the car and allowing it to be a hundred percent with all of the boost. It, the guy would have killed himself in it. So um, I told Gary, the tuner, I said, we got to pull this thing back. So it's, it's only running at 70% of what it has in it. With, with the, with the big pulley, with a, with a large pulley, you know, to slow down the boost, but it's still way more than you want. Uh, You know, being carbon, all of the weights in the bottom of that car, it drives like a million bucks. I mean, it just, (laughs) it just feels right with the weight at your feet instead of, you know, above, you can tell, there's something weird about that car when you drive it, but it's so much fun to drive. I can't wait to get it back to the owner. He's from California and, and, and have him enjoy it. But um, that them are fun cars. Like it's, it's just a blast to drive. Talk to us a little bit about the bully blazer. I thought that was really slick. I, I liked the, the uh, over the top roll bar look and, and all that type of stuff. It's incorporated into it and it doesn't look like an add on piece. It looks more forward thinking in the GM styling of now. Yeah. That, that, you know, that roof line has four removable roof panels that, that you can t- take in and out almost like a T top concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a, a pretty wild suspension in it. It's got a foot of travel in it. So it's got a lot of suspension in it. The thing was making 1200 horse again, same thing happened. We it had we had a four liter Whipple on it and we had to take it down to a 2.9 because it was just making way too much power for that vehicle. So it was it's probably down closer to 750 right now. Uh, you see the badges on the side did say 1200. It was 1200 at one point. Right. Um, the interior of that vehicle was kind of cool. You know, the whole thought of that was to be able to leave the tops out let it rain right through the seats and go through the grid work that was in the floor. All the flooring, if you noticed, had grid, grids in it. And then there's belly pans below that that would catch the water. You could just pull the plug and drain it from the bottom. So <laughs> it was the concept was just to drive the drive it and, and leave it outside and, and uh, let it rain. 
and wash your boots off inside of it. Obviously, the guy will never do that, but that was the whole concept. Them seats, I think the only thing we missed on the interior was a campfire because it looks like them seats and it should be around an old campfire from 1972. Well, and that's what I was thinking when I saw those seats. I'm thinking, you know what? When I was a kid, I used to burn my legs in the back of those old yeah. camp chairs that folded out with that webbing in it. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking, man, and those and that looks like something that would be so comfortable to sit in, even though it's only half a chair, really. Yeah, they're actually really comfortable. You know, the problem is when you when you drive that blazer with your shirt off for a, a nice sunny day, you look like you got a checkerboard on your back when you get out. <laughs> You get a nice, cool waffle tan. Yeah, yeah. you get a waffle tan. Yeah, that's uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And even under in the engine bay, there's so much. You talk about detail. There was so much on that thing. I mean, from how you fill it, you know, the five-gallon tank in the back is actually how you fill the vehicle through there. And mm -hmm. all the gun barrel rifling that was on the exhaust, like for, I don't know if you noticed any of that, but. Mm -hmm. There is a lot. All the dash, even though it looks stock, they were all separate pods, made it feel like you're floating. The back seats were all hung off the roll cage. They weren't, there's no legs on them. Um, so the whole idea was to float, basically. And it, it was, there's a lot, a lot of little things on that blazer. And then there's the 69 Mustang. So like this thing, this thing itself looks like an animal that I, I love the blue. Um, it's got the, what was it? Five, two, 600 horse, something like that. Yeah. Like yeah. Just, and everything just, it just matches the interior, the engine bay uh, and the color of the car. Uh, talk us through a little bit about the build on this one. I think that car really got overlooked. I think, it, I think it was sitting, you know, if that had been sitting in the mother's booth out front and center with good lighting on it, it had been a whole different car. It was a little dark back there. There's a lot going on in that car. I mean, them quarters have been widened. All the, the air actually runs through the, the side scoops and the quarter panels and out through the taillights, uh, kind of like the new Ford GTs. Mm -hmm. um, there's just so much going on in that car. I can't even really think about <laughs> all the stuff, but it, it, Personally, for me, I don't think it showed well right where it was sitting because I think it was dark. It was kind of along the wall. It was, but uh, that that vehicle is a, is a really cool car when you get to stand back and look at it. Uh, a lot of detail in that car. Yeah, it doesn't look wider. It looks it looks kind of like a stock '69 that sits low. But man, there's I really like the back end of the car, the way that printed the taillights and. They're all the taillights are different, but yet the, all the, if you when you hit the brake lights, all the inside, you know, by printing the lights, we have grooves inside the lights and mm -hmm. they all line up. It's it's you know, the way the air comes through and around those taillights. I don't know. We machine the front or the rear bumpers machined, all the diffusers underneath that people didn't get to see. And the interior, you know, retained the 69 look with the two humps, but yet. If you noticed, you could see through from the front. So they didn't go all the way down to the dash pad. It was like see through. There's a lot of neat ideas that hadn't really seen before, but yet still maintain a very much 69 car without bastardizing it in, in any way by using the grill. And like the front, the lower fascia, the lower fascia on yeah. that balance on that 
we pulled it out. And when we did pull it out, we actually, instead of tucking the front bumper, we pulled the bumper out because it looked like it was hitting the mouth. If you pull the bottom balance out and the hood's already out on those cars, it's one thing when it all goes back in an angle, but when we pulled that chin out, you really needed to accentuate the bumper by bringing it out too. So there's a lot going on that people I'm sure didn't pick up on and you would you would just walk by that car where it was sitting and think it was just a a stock 69 Mustang with some cool wheels on it until you looked at it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that has to be as a body man myself. I've been doing it for quite a long time, about 30 some years. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, right. right. I, I have since retired. So yeah, we are, too. That's why I said I'm sorry. Right. Um, I, I did. I looked at that Mustang and I saw what it was. But I always push the biggest thing that I see on a lot of your builds on almost all of them is the tiny details that get missed because people don't realize what they're looking at. Something that's been changed, not for the sake of change, but changed to make it more aerodynamic, to increase the drag or to do something in every one of your builds. That's the biggest thing that I see is change for styling, change for improving performance and and that's what i applaud your shop uh for doing is making modifications that most people won't see yeah it sounds right. stupid but i love it i absolutely yeah. love it and those are the best modifications yeah yeah that's a, a tightrope that jim always says you walk in that a lot of builders if they're going to go through the work they want everybody to know what they did if they're going to build a spoiler if they're going to build a flare if they're going to chop something they're going to make sure everybody knows what they did and mm -hmm. it's it's a lot more fun when you forget what you even did you know and people ask us what we're like ah and they're like well i noticed you did that we're like oh yeah i forgot we did that because <laughs> it's just subtle and you you can't even remember you did it but yeah. you know it looks different. So I thank you for that because it's something we really um, try to do is um, not let people really know you were doing it, even though you have as much or more time doing something that people can see as they can't. You know, the rear quarters on that car were pulled out over an inch and nobody caught it. I mean, the, if you notice them 69s on a stock one, they're pretty narrow, but on that car, they're, you know, they're... Well, way, they go back to the stock location they, in the back. And so they're an hourglass cut where we pull them out, but nobody notices that stuff, but... Right, unless can, it's sitting next to a stock one, you don't right. realize how much it's Coke bottled. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Right. Even the front fenders, you don't know. We did that too, but... And the way we did it, I'd have to explain, you know, show you because it's too hard to even explain where we kept that, say, that three-quarter inch... Uh, as the fender comes down, it kind of is like a concave three-quarter inch roll or whatever that rolls right. through. That, a lot of guys, when they do pull out the front, that gets wider up the front where we kept that the same with, it was just a lot of thought in when we cut it to let people know it's wider. Where did they cut it? I can't see where they did it. But they got a massive 295 up front and how the hell did they do that? <laughs> that's a that's a big footprint yeah so 
Well, that's good because you've got somebody out there right now with a stock Mustang that has a 285 and they can't fit it in their car. Right. On the rear. On the the rear. Oh, on the rear. Yeah. (laughs) And we got it on the front. Yeah. Right. They're trying to put it, they're trying to put it anywhere on their car and they can't. That's a big footprint. That's big. And that Camaro has got a 295 on it too. So. Wow. They're big up front. So, Yeah. So what is in store? Can you give us any uh, anything what's coming up or what are you guys working on or any super secret projects? I promise never to tell anyone. No, we're not. We're not that way as far as, but we yeah. don't really show what we do till after it's over because yeah. somebody could take an idea that we think is unique and we have a, done. We have a 70 Cuda uh, that we're doing right now, a 69 Charger. Um, a Buick Grand National, um, a 61 Rolls Royce. Wow. Uh, pretty wild car. A 71 uh, Austin Martin. Aston. 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 <laughs> Are Aston Martin, really Austin Healy. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the, the Aston Martin should be fun because it was one where the owner asked us what we would like to do. So that was oh. really cool. I said anything besides a Mustang. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So Definitely. it's kind of a European Mustang, honestly, as wide as they are and short, it, it should be pretty fun. Honestly, we're excited about that one. Yeah. It does have that long nose pony car look. Yeah, very much. It's wider, believe it or not, by two inches than a 69 Mustang, but it's shorter by five inches than a 69. Wow. So it's really wide and stubby. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to do our James Bond theme to it, and uh, we're excited about that. It will not run an Aston Martin, Austin Martin, whatever he wants to say, <laughs> drivetrain in it. So. He's uh, just getting a head start on naming the vehicle. So that's all he's getting. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll um, have to rename that one. Guys, you, you're, you're, you're brothers. Uh, you work together. Uh, how closely, how, how close side by side do you work are you hands-on together or do each of you do separate things i know it's you know being a family business i work with my dad every day and people always say you know how do do you guys get along do you fight and all this my dad and i we don't because we know when to walk away (laughs) the idea that you guys are working together how does that family dynamic work for you two oh we fight but uh (laughs) A lot of times it's on, you know, the hardest part is it's 50-50 and guys will play you like they do their parents or, you know, like mom will let me do it. So talk to dad and they definitely play us. And then that can, and we get on each other because he's like, well, I said not to do it. And I said, well, I didn't know you said it. They came to me and asked me because they want a certain outcome. So they play us and that in turn, we get on each other for that. But Also, if I feel one way and he feels, if somebody goes on vacation is when we uh, do what we really feel we want to (laughs) do. But not the most part, it's been close to 30 years now. So I'm not saying it's all easy, but we've seemed to make it work. So it's good. Our hobbies are different after work though. You know, he's, he always says if he hits the lottery, he's going to go to right to, to Caterpillar. And me, I'm going to go to the golf store. So we, we, <laughs> we, we definitely have different hobbies other than work. 
but we do not work together as much. Like I do different things in gym and being the way this place is, we have four buildings. Mm-hmm. So we seem to be in different locations during the day. <laughs> Ring Brothers isn't just about the brothers though, either, is it? There's a little bit more of a family dynamic there too, as far as your wives are a part of this. Correct. Um, I see well, not some- my wife. Not well, your wife? She she stops by every now and then. She works in the she works, yeah, in the shipping department and with sales. Yeah, my wife does more of the counting controller, but uh, yeah, it's 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 good. But it's uh, you know we we want to show some longevity to our employees, so hopefully I can get my son to stick around for a little bit to. Uh, because Jim and I, I'm 60, Jim's 58, and uh, we plan on being here a while because we really like what we do yet. You know, people say, when do you want to retire? And for me, it's <laughs> like, this is what I'd do if I was retired, right? I mean, so. Well, I, I definitely like hearing that you're trying to get your son involved. Uh, we're always talking about what drives youth. And are you, as a company or separately, uh, are you guys doing anything to support the next generation? Are you doing anything to uh, gather local talent or place people and employees and things from colleges? Continually have uh, young people from the high school, which is a few blocks away from our buildings over here. Uh, People that show interest in the automotive side of things and so the answer is yes. I mean, we do we do a lot of tech college tours, uh, you know, every year that they show up with uh, van loads full of kids that are interested in this industry. But it's getting fewer and far between. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely I don't know what they're going to do in another 20, 30 years from now. I don't know. If, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but life is changing for sure. But the kids that are here are, are pretty excited. Like we put them to work and, you know, they start in the summer and they go on and they school lets them out because their interests are aligned with what we do here. And it, it's, it's, it's pretty nice, but yeah, we, we try to do as much as we can with the youth and uh, believe it or not, our machining side of the business is all younger people, 30 and under, you know what I mean? So they're the smart ones. If they can grasp how they can take what their knowledge is and take it to another level, it's this this hobby is going to get really strong, I think, because of the young. And once they figure out a little grit, they're gonna they're gonna be just fine. The grade point average went up at our high school when Mike and I left, by the way. <laughs> it's that curve. <laughs> I, I understand that. Now, now, wanting to teach the next generation, and you guys have been doing this for 30 years, who were your mentors? Who, who did you look up to? What are other builders and people that you, uh, you, you saw? It wasn't really builders because we didn't really know a lot about this hobby. We... It was just mechanics or people down in Kramer's where it's a big construction firm and whether they painted dump trucks or whatever, it was, uh, it was people like that. It was people that my dad owned a small gas station and I used to wash cars on Saturday morning when I was 12 and seeing a guy like smiley legal with his javelin and 
I think of that a lot who touched us over the years and it's just random people that they didn't even realize they were doing it to you, whether mm-hmm. they let you sit in their car, drive their car. Um, it didn't even have to be a car. It was snowmobiles. It was, it was all of the above that anything you could put gas in. And that's what drove us, I think, to just, it, it's funny because we think of that a lot, whether it was your teacher, a little bit of him to, you know, just somebody letting you drive one of their vehicles, right? As a young age, you were just, it's cloud nine. I don't know how you put that back. I think because we were in the moment a lot more back then, we didn't have um, fairy tale phones where we actually could actually touch feel for real and the excitement of acceleration to braking to out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, Those senses that they don't get with a phone is something that drove us to want to go faster, corner harder, get the girls by having a nicer car yeah. and then well, you drive to a, a bigger town than the town of 600 people you were living in, you know, right. <laughs> well, either one of you do. Uh, and for both of you guys, uh, do you remember your spark? Do you remember this day, this magazine I was looking at, when did you decide this is what you wanted to do? And, and then from that moment forward, it, it just made a left turn in your life. Can't remember that. I can't remember the, it was just, a, it was just all those little things that put the bug in our ear. Right. And I, okay. I went to Navy gym, was a crane operator for years. And then we kind of came back and did construction management for a while. And then Jim bought a car down in Chicago and tore it apart and told his wife, this is what he wants to do. And I bought in about five years after that. And the rest is history. We didn't. We started out changing oil, tires, brakes. It was never to build hot rods. I mean, we just by no means. We just knew we wanted to be in this. We were too dumb to know that we shouldn't. You know what I mean? You just in a way that's it's better to be stupid and just say I can do this. But today, with everybody needing a business plan, shit, if we had to write a business plan, there was no chance. We just knew we could do it. I mean, you just knew you could make a living doing something you you were passionate about and pretty good at. And our mother told us life is what happens when you're making other plans. And she was definitely right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you you talked about, you know, the the change in the oil, the tires, and you you never really set out for to be, you know, building cars and whatnot. So aside from the building of cars and these fantastic uh, award-winning hot rods that you do, uh, you know, if a fellow didn't know who the Ring Brothers were and they just stumbled upon your website, they'd know, they had no idea really at, uh, on that first homepage that you guys were award-winning car builders. You guys sell custom parts, hinges, wheels, handles, accessories. How did how did doing what you were doing lead into those custom parts that you now build and like and CNC machining that you guys do um, is like you go to your staff page and it introduces your staff. It's like half the staff are CNC operators. So how did you get to that point of of, of the parts business? 
Well, because we were trying to be unique and build parts that you weren't ordering out of the JEGS catalog like everybody else was. You didn't want to show up at a, a car show or an event with the same things everybody else had. So we decided to start making our own handles and mirrors and and all of the stuff we make at this point to be different. And then all of a sudden, like we said, we're not smart, but a light bulb did go off and say, hell, we might as well be selling this stuff because people are calling, people are people want it. So yeah. Uh, that's really how that started. It started because we wanted something different than we could buy. I remember the first piece we did a Mustang, a 65 Fastback, and we wanted this. It was an R model back window, and if you're familiar with that, it's open. And we mm -hmm. wanted to close it up, so we come up with this idea of this billet piece in the back. And I think we bought a farm from the guy in his house, just we were going to flip it and make some money. But the thing was, is that he had to build that billet piece to fill that opening. And we, that's how desperate we were. We basically, you're going to build us this part we want because it's really cool because we didn't know anything about CNC equipment. We'll do that. We'll buy your, your house and your farm and your property. But you got to build. Right, you got to build this park for us first. Through, through work, he was a big glass <laughs> yeah. company, and I bet you he forgot about that. But it's yeah. like that's how desperate you were to be different. And uh, I think if you're that driven to, and by the way, that sounds kind of weird that we were going to buy his house and farm. We just, it was he was move, he was leaving. It was a fire sale, and we were in the right place at the right time. But we held him hostage. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> But it just turned into that guy who ended up building it, ended up working for us, and it just all took off. So you never know how it, you know, life, you just don't know what's going to be around the corner. And uh, either take advantage of it or you don't. You don't even know it's in, at the time what it's a big deal or not. You just trust in your gut. Your gut's pretty good, typically. Yeah. There's a lot of corners when you're getting out driving. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no straight lines. Everybody thinks uh, success is in a straight line. Yeah. It's this curvy yeah. thing. <clears throat> well, definitely cool. Um, well, thank you for hanging out with us for a little bit tonight. So, Jim, Mike from the Ring Brothers, why don't you tell everybody who's listening today how they can get a hold of you guys and where they can find the Ring Brothers? You can find Ring Brothers on Facebook. And you can also find us on www.ringbrothers.com and check our website out with uh, a lot of cool cars and a lot of cool parts. You can also find us on Instagram. We'll be sure to leave all their socials in the uh, comment section down below so you guys can find them. Man, I look forward to seeing all the crazy things you guys are going to have your hands in. I know you described some of the vehicles that are in your shop right now. Hopefully we'll see you again next year at SEMA. Sounds good. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks for being on the show. Cruise on over to our website, getoutanddrive.com, for all the info you never wanted to know about our podcast. Hit us up on our listener hotline, be the first to know what's happening, get industry news, and grab your Get Out and Drive merch. Connect with us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Follow us on Twitter at Get Out and Drive Pod. Hi, I'm Mike Ring. What drives you? 